I'm Brett Chang, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, October 31st, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Peak Pals, we've got a big number for you today. It's 13,560 kilometers, and that's the distance that a bird, a bar-tailed godwit to be exact, flew nonstop from Alaska to Tasmania. Without even knowing it, this avian athlete set a world record. Peak Pals, my question to you is that if you were also a bar-tailed godwit, where would you fly? Now, to put this in perspective, the longest direct flight in the world is from New York to Singapore, and that takes 18 hours. Honestly, I'm not sure if I'd rather be the bird flying myself or if I'd rather be sitting in economy on that flight. The economy is very tight. At least if you're the bird, you, you're in full control of your own destiny. And if you have to, you can take a break. This bird did it nonstop, but you know, it could have taken a break if it wanted to. At least it had the option. But Peak Pals, where would you fly? Now, enough about flying and traveling and bird records. Let's talk about the three stories that we have for you today. For our first story, the Great Resignation may not actually be happening. For our second story, Elon finally takes over Twitter. And for our last story, the US dollar is crushing other currencies. For our first story, first came the Great Resignation. Then there was quiet quitting and the reaction quiet firing. Now, there's countless other stories about workers checking out from their job over the past year, either literally or just mentally. And it all painted a bleak picture of the modern workplace but one that new data suggests bears little relationship to reality. So here's what's actually going on in the Canadian labor market. Multi-year research from the University of Toronto sociology professor Scott Scheiman found that Canadians' attitudes towards work hasn't changed much at all since 2019, and the trends like the quote-unquote great resignation and quote-unquote quiet quitting, that they're overhyped. So by some measures, Canadians are actually more comfortable in their jobs now than pre-pandemic. Well, in 2019, 24% of workers said they were very likely to try to switch jobs within a year. The number has now dropped to 17%. And of those who are considering a switch, only 26% report being unhappy in their jobs. Most are just looking for a new or better challenge. Other studies point to a similar conclusion. Some aspects of work may have changed during the pandemic, but people's feelings about their job have stayed pretty much the same. A Gallup poll tracking people's attitudes towards their work shows the share of people who feel disengaged from their job, which was 17% this year, has barely changed over the past 20 years, moving only a few percentage points in either direction. And while Kim Kardashian claims that, quote unquote, nobody wants to work, Statistics Canada has shown that total hours worked and the share of adults working has been steadily ticking up for more than a year. Now, to zoom out, the recent wave of anti-work trends is like quiet quitting, maybe more media invention than fact. But the major changes in how people work have created real anxiety and tension for both employers, many of whom believe remote workers are less productive, and employees who overwhelmingly, as you can imagine, disagree. For our second story, after what felt like thousands of years, or was really only just a few months, Elon Musk finally, officially, and with no take-backs, owns Twitter. And here comes the fun part. I'm just happy, first of all, that we can stop talking about this. So here's actually what went down. The deal may have closed on Thursday night, but Musk really sealed the deal by tweeting, the bird is freed, and then firing Twitter's policy chief, the CFO, and the CEO. That's when the whole thing really got started. Now, Musk will reportedly act as the interim CEO, this is per Reuters, spreading himself a little thin, to be honest, considering he's also the CEO of Tesla and the chief engineer of SpaceX. Now, what's next is the question on everyone's mind. While Musk has teased the idea of X, the everything app, he tweeted out a message captioned, quote unquote, dear Twitter advertisers, which laid out his utopian version for Twitter 2.0, a civilization saving common digital town square, which to him means one, a place for free speech, but not a 
quote-unquote free-for-all hellscape, his first step will be lifting permanent user bans. Remember that one former U.S. president that was banned forever? Well, he's going to try and do that ASAP. And the second quote from the letter is the most respected advertising platform in the world. So he wants us to cut out, he wants Twitter to cut out spam and serve up highly relevant ads, a slight retreat from past comments. Now, a place where more users control what they see, the same way they can choose what kinds of movies they watch or video games they play, that's also in the calculation as Elon Musk re-envisions what Twitter might look like. Now, of course, Musk could always sell his shiny new toy in a few years if he gets bored, which would not be out of character, especially if whatever changes he makes boosts its value. But Musk face a obstacles of plenty, like backlash from Twitter employees, advertisers not assaged by his message, and tightened big tech regulations, especially in the EU. And this is why this all matters. The richest person on earth is now in control of what constitutes, quote unquote, free speech on one of the world's largest sources of news and opinions, which could have broader implications for what concept of free speech, at least online, means at all. For our third story, a supercharged U.S. dollar, the USD, is beating up weaker global currencies like a schoolyard bully and leaving central banks scrambling to find a solution. Okay, so here's how the Federal Reserve is actually beating up on our reliable Bank of Canada and its head, who we endearingly call TMAC. So the USD has surged in value as rate hikes and economic tomfoolery leave investors flocking to the ultra-stable currency, the ultra-stable coin. It's bad news for countries with USD-denominated import agreements, which makes goods more expensive, and loans, which leaves foreign borrowers in a very tricky situation. And here's what's driving the news. To minimize the USD's damage, central banks around the world have tried to prop up the value of their currencies by selling off the USDs and using the money to buy back their own currencies, which artificially inflates their value by creating fake demand. Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, the Philippines, Vietnam, and Thailand have all done this maneuver in recent months. India led the charge back in March. Now, the goal of these buybacks is to stop currencies from sliding, but it's a band-aid solution that has only managed to slow them down and only by a little. Now, this obviously isn't great for the U.S. The central banks have also taken to raising cash by selling off U.S. government bonds, which hinders the demand for U.S. government debt. And some countries like Egypt are developing new tools to break ties with the USD altogether. And here's why it matters. The USD's strength is just one challenge facing the world economy. Central banks were already working to slow record high inflation, but the added task of protecting their currencies might not be possible without triggering a global economic recession. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. 